Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. That passes or surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, as we read those verses together, it becomes obvious that the peace of God is actually a fruit of doing the first verses 4, 5 and 6. Rejoicing, not worrying or being anxious. The the reason we are not anxious is because we've taken our prayers and our petitions to God with thanksgiving. He knows. He knows those things that concern us. Yeah, I'm a word person, for anybody who knows me. I like to know that the words that I'm reading in the, in the scriptures um, mean what they mean. So I love what um, Marit shared with us today. Thank you, Marit. So peace, the peace of God. It says it's a state of rest, quietness and calmness, an absence of tr- strife and tranquility, a harmonious relationship of unity and concord in Christ. The key is in Christ. So this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, surpasses, is used five times in the New Testament, the the Greek word, hupereko. It means that this peace of God is higher or better or more excellent. It's supreme. It surpasses all understanding, all, every, any understanding that we can come to in our mind. That's pretty powerful because I know sometimes the thoughts that I have in my mind. And this peace of God is going to guard for Rayo, to watch, to keep, to guard our hearts, the Greek word is cardia, and our minds, the Greek word is nuemu, which means actually our thoughts. So it's going to guard our hearts and our thoughts through Christ Jesus. I think it's really important. I think this peace of God is really important to us. So what does it look like? You know, there are lots and lots of examples that I could have chosen. I've just chosen a few. You know, 2,500 to 2,600 years ago, there were three young Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were actually slaves under Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 3, In verses 14 to 18, it says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship... 
you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Have you ever put yourself in the place of those three young men? What do you think it felt like? These are your options. Here's the image I've set up. When all the fanfare comes on, you fall down and worship. The alternative? There's a fiery furnace. And in fact, we, we know from, as we continue reading that scripture, that he, that he made it seven times hotter. I don't hear these young men begging for mercy. I don't see these young men crying. I don't see these young men uh, falling to pieces in the face of what was a really, really difficult situation. Would have been for me. I don't know about you. Why? What kept their hearts and minds? It was the peace of God. It was the peace of God. Because these young men did what we've talked about in uh, these verses in Philippians. They rejoiced in their God. They presented their petitions to God. They had faith in him. They knew he was able. But even if he didn't, they were going to be free anyway. And they were not going to bow down and worship. You know, if we go to 2,000 years ago, we read in Matthew chapter 8 and verses 23 to 25 about Jesus. Now, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. What a difference between Jesus' response in the storm and the disciples' response. They were, they were in the same storm. They were in the same boat. Jesus was asleep. The disciples were fearing for their lives. And I get it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'd have been a disciple. Jesus, wake up. <laughs> what are you doing? Why don't you do something? Don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing is what they said. Why could Jesus, in the midst of a storm, sleep? Because again, he lived in a place of constantly rejoicing by observing the face of his father. He made his requests known to God because he had given up 
so much of uh, his heavenly glory when he came to earth that he needed to do just what we did. He needed to present his prayers and petitions to God. We read that he often went away and spent time with his He frequently gave thanks. When you look at when when Jesus um, publicly went to his father, he often said, Father, I give thanks. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding. The disciples had only understanding of the circumstances that they were in. Jesus had a different kind of peace. Let me bring you up to 1994. My husband and I and our children were missionaries in the north of Uganda. Uh, It was in um, rebel-occupied territory and um, our eight-year-old daughter was really, really sick with cerebral malaria. And we were getting some treatment for her, but it came to the point where um, I I was... up at the hospital with her, my husband and the other children were back where we lived in Lira, and um, a lovely Italian doctor in a Catholic hospital came and said, there's nothing more we can do, she'll die within two hours. And I looked out of this little window in this room, and the sun was going down. And I had such a peace in my heart that didn't make any sense considering the circumstance that I was facing. My daughter was literally bleeding out through malaria. For those that know a little bit of medicine, her haemoglobin went from 14 to 2. There was a peace that surpassed everything that was going on in my head. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. We can't do this for ourselves. We're not able to do this, but he can. And he does. He decided my eight-year-old daughter wasn't going to home to him at that time. It took many months for her to recover. But the peace of God that passes all understanding kept my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know, the peace of God that we're talking about is an internal condition of heart and mind. It's not based on external circumstances, but it's based on a trusting relationship with God. Jesus knew that his disciples were going to need peace. In John chapter 20, after his uh, death and actually resurrection, um, I said that same evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said again, peace to you. It didn't make sense. They'd never had a resurrected Lord before. They'd seen him crucified just as we have remembered today that he gave his life. And although he told them, although somewhere in the back of their mind could have been his words that he was going to come back to life again, that wasn't their understanding right then. Don't you love it? Jesus came and stood in the midst. So they're in a locked room because they're scared as anything because of what's happening. And Jesus comes and stands in the mid, right in the middle of them and says, peace be with you. Again, a peace that he was offering that went way and above their understanding. You see, understanding something doesn't bring us peace. We might think it does. Think if I could just understand. If God would just help me to understand why this happened. If God would just help me understand what's happening in this situation, then I could be at peace. It's not where it comes from. It's not where it comes from. In John, further on in, in, verse, um, in chapter 20, it says, After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Same thing. Thomas had missed the first time. Jesus came back, but the same thing. He came and stood in the midst of them. You know, before Jesus died, the last things that he spoke to us, we see largely put together in John, uh, John's Gospel, John 14, 15, 16, 17. Jesus had already told the disciples that he was going to give them peace. In John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Sounds a little bit like be anxious for nothing to me. You know, lack of peace is a heart issue. It's a trust issue. It's a God-sized issue. And only God can change our hearts. You know, he said already that he has taken out our heart of stone and he's put within us a heart of flesh. Peace is not a circumstance problem. Although we often hear that word used like that. You know, know, that peace was the end of the fighting, the end of the war, the end of, of strife. The peace of God, though, goes well beyond that. Because that's the peace that the world gives. And Jesus said... He wasn't giving that kind of peace. He wasn't giving us a guarantee that he would sort out every situation that was difficult in our lives, that he would keep us from sorrow or grief, that he would keep us from loss. That's not the kind of peace he promised. But he said it was his peace that he was giving. And this was a peace that would allow our hearts not to be troubled and for us not to be afraid. You know, Jesus came and stood 
It's the same today. It's the very person of Jesus. It's his presence with us that brings peace. You know, in John 15, he spoke about the abiding, um, our abiding relationship, you know, to abide in the vine, uh, that we really can't live fruitfully in a way that glorifies God without him. And we certainly can't do peace without him. In John chapter 16, he warned about things that were going to happen. He offered comfort and he promised the Holy Spirit. In verse 33, John 16, 33, he said, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In me, you may have peace. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, the prophet said, his name shall be called Prince of Peace. That is who he is. That is who Jesus is. That's one of his names, that he is the Prince of Peace. He said, in the world, we will have tribulation. That word tribulation is the Greek word thlipsis. It means pressure, oppression, stress, anguish, tribulation, adversity, affliction, crushing, squashing, squeezing, distress. I don't know what those words do for you. It's almost like... <laughs> feel squeezed in a bit like this. It's, it's the kind of words that are used of compressing and crushing olives and grapes. That's not just a little squeeze. <laughs> That's a crushing and a squashing. In the world, he says, that's what we'll have. We shouldn't be surprised. However, in the midst of persecution, joy and peace can be found in the certainty of Christ's victory, the very victory that we have again celebrated this morning. It's actually found in Christ himself. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Again, Paul combines those things, thankfulness and peace. The peace of God to rule in our hearts. You know, peace in our hearts is a barometer, a trust barometer. It tells us how well in any particular circumstance or any particular space in time we're trusting God. It referees our heart. It rules our heart. It referees. A referee tells us whether kind of we're in the right place or not or whether we're you know, out of bounds or we've gone outside the rules, outside the, the requirements. It referees our hearts. And either the peace of Father God rules or something else is usurping God's rightful place in our hearts because he says the peace of God can rule in our hearts. In Isaiah 26 and verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, 
whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There's a lot of words from our scripture today that are also in that that scripture from Isaiah. In Proverbs 3 and verse 5 to 7 it says that we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. In all our ways to acknowledge or find the knowledge of him and he will make straight paths for us. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So the question is, how are the peace levels and therefore the trust levels in our heart today? Are you facing a fiery trial? You know, Peter says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't think it's strange. But are you facing a fiery trial? Do you feel a little bit like the disciples in the boat? That in the middle of your storm, Jesus is asleep and seemingly uncaring. He's not there with you. He's not there to help you. Are you facing a challenge of some personal circumstance? God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know, setting our mind on Jesus shows that we trust him. Show that we trust him. Graham, can I ask you to come up and help me? Thank you. You know, Lockie told me just as we were um, starting the service that after three days, we probably only remember 5% of what we hear here on a Sunday morning. That was really encouraging. (laughs) So I thought, you know, I think we need to do something to help us maybe retain more of this. Because each one of us needs to be able to learn to live in the peace of God that surpasses, that is higher, that is supreme, much better than our own understanding. We need our hearts and minds, our thoughts to be kept in Christ Jesus. So I want us to do what we've been encouraged to do in Isaiah. He will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because we trust him. You know, if we know Jesus, we will have a catalogue of times where we've been very aware of God's goodness and his faithfulness to us. That's a great place to start to get our minds onto Christ Jesus. To focus our minds onto Him. So I'm going to invite us, for those who will,
to just close yourself in with the Lord and remember remember times in your life where God has shown himself to be faithful and good reflect on those recall those situations relive them appreciate who Jesus was to you in those memories says that we're to rejoice. Rejoicing comes. Gladness of heart comes when somebody's glad to be with us. There is not a situation in our life where Jesus is not glad to be with us. We may not be, have been aware that he was with us. I know there are many times in the moment I haven't been aware that Jesus has been with me because I've been taken up with what's going on in my mind. But he never left me. He never forsook me. He was always there. So in those times of goodness and faithfulness, he was there. Rejoice that he is with you. Find him in those places. And then take to him those situations in your life currently. Those be anxious for nothing ones. Those worries or those concerns that so easily pop up, raise their head. Take those to Him. Take them to Him personally. He's not a God that's way out there. He said that. The Father and Son would come and make their home within us. The kingdom of God is within us. This is where transformation happens. Within us, within our hearts. And then let Jesus have a look at our hearts. Is the peace of God ruling? Is the peace of God keeping our hearts and our thoughts through Christ Jesus? Not through our efforts. Not through trying really hard to put something out of our mind. He's not talking about a temporary fix and he's not talking about necessarily fixing or changing the circumstance or situation. He's the God who's in the middle with us. That's where we need him. In the middle with us. When we're going through fiery trials when we're needing to make a stand, when the storms of life come and we can be tossed around and we don't see a way out, we don't know, we don't know what the outcome's going to be. 
we let the Prince of Peace come to you this morning? Let him come to your heart in the middle of the storm. We're just going to sit with him for a couple of minutes and let him do what he wants to do. Father, you say that you'll keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because we trust you. Lord, if today, Lord, you found places in our hearts, Lord, where we don't trust you. where your peace doesn't reign. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're not willing to leave us there. Lord, there's, there's no shame or condemnation in finding lack in our lives. We miss it all the time. You're not surprised. But Father, where you've shown us something today, Lord, we can be sure that it's because you want to bring a change. Lord, that while the circumstances might not change, while the decisions that we have to make might not change, while the future continues to look uncertain, like your three boys heading for the fire. They didn't actually know what the outcome was going to be, but they knew either way it was going to be good, it was going to be good because <laughs> you were going to deliver them. Father, help us to refuse to live without your peace 
without the Prince of Peace. Lord, when our hearts are troubled, when we're afraid, Lord, that we would intentionally turn our hearts and minds towards you because you're faithful and you're good and you've proved that to us so many times, Lord, in our lives. That, Lord, we would find that place where we again see the Prince of Peace, the victorious Prince of Peace in the middle. for nothing but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving make your request known unto God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus Father thank you that in everything you've made a way for us through Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Father, thank you. Father, thank you for this time of being able to sit quietly in your presence, Lord. Thank you for what you've been doing in our hearts. Thank you for your peace. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. You know, it does us good to stop. To stop and reflect, to remember, to relive with Jesus. Don't let it stop here. This is an everyday experience that we can have. To turn the eyes of our heart towards him because, you know, Jesus said that those who are pure in heart will see God We'll hear him. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've made a way. Thank you that you've made a way. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.